Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing Now I have brothers and sisters Gave me a family I, I want to I wanna actually like talk about last week for a minute, but before we do that, let me just tell you that... Um, I went hunting with a few guys, and we went elk hunting. They had taken me out to a pretty magical spot, and uh, I was just getting wowed by a few things. Uh, One was the beauty of the sky, like the clouds and the way the sun rises and the sunsets and rainbows. So I was really taken by the sky. Uh, But there was one afternoon where the guys decided, okay, we're just going to rest and camp, and we're going to just... Let the elk do what the elk do, and we'll go back out in the evening. And so I decided, because I had a little energy in me, and I couldn't sit still, that I packed light, and I just went on about an hour trek towards this one ridge. And as I'm walking to that ridge, this may sound weird to some of you, but, um, <clears throat> but I, you hear that? Like, I cleared my throat just now. I heard that behind me. Like, I heard a man clear his throat behind me, and it... I was kind of freaked out by it because, you know, we're all in camo and we can't see each other. So I thought I just walked right by somebody and they just cleared their throat. And I was like, I literally turned around and I was like, is somebody here? And then I just felt the presence of Jesus so close to me. Like, I don't know how that works. I don't know if I was imagining, but I do know that in my heart, I connected with Jesus in a way that was very personal and intimate. So um, you've, I, mean, I, I learned this from you, Mark Weaver. Um, you know the different names of God like um, Jehovah Rapha and Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Sneaky. That's the one I learned from you. Jehovah Sneaky got up on me, snuck right up behind me, cleared his throat, and says, I'm here with you, son. So anyway, <clears throat> I'm a little tender right now because uh, um, Jesus is the kindest person I've ever met. So I am moving through the book of James, and I have been cruising through uh, the, the third chapter of James, and I'd like to actually revolve around the last couple of verses there. So James three seventeen and 18 is where I'm going to be right now. And so, that being said, I've actually really enjoyed teaching through the book of James. In fact, I was not, I was not thrilled about the idea of teaching kind of like, not verse by verse, but idea by idea. At the beginning of the year, when the Lord put that on my heart, it was the first time I felt like the Lord was telling me to just park it in a book of the Bible for the entire, however long it takes. I think we're on, on track for it to be through the year, which is great. Um, so anyway, I've been really blessed. So James 3, 17 and 18. I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. Wisdom from above is always pure, 
filled with peace, considerate and teachable. It is filled with love and never displays prejudice or hypocrisy in any form. And it always bears the fruitful harvest of righteousness. Good seeds of wisdom's fruit will be planted with peaceful acts by those who cherish making peace. And maybe your version of verse 18 might read something akin to this. Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of good things or righteousness. And so I want to talk about how wisdom from above, in other words, God's thoughts and God's directions regarding the affairs of life, how the wisdom that comes from above is evidenced by the manifestation of peace. And I want to focus a little bit in on that today. So we're going to auger down into that. Even though last time I spoke, I did uh, speak into this idea of wisdom. We're going to shift a little bit from wisdom to the manifestation of peace that comes through wisdom. What I want to talk about here is how the wisdom of God brings peace. And, and I'm concerned that this message might lose its impact since you've probably heard sermons about peace before. But that's kind of like, you know, speaking about the love of God. You know, it's one thing to know about it. It's quite another thing to experience it in a way that it transforms your life. Peace, I believe, can be very much like this. It's far more than a concept or even really a hope. Peace that is born from the wisdom of God is transformative. And so I'm praying, in fact, I'm going to pause and pray, that this really does come into a place of you connecting with it experientially, that you begin to understand that the peace of God is for you, and that very much like the love of God, um, it is a gift, and it's something that we can grow in our capacity to receive it. So Jesus, we need your help. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the spirit of revelation, the spirit of, yeah, wisdom and understanding. And so we're asking for you to bring a revelation of what peace really means for us as we pursue wisdom from above. And so, Jesus, thank you for speaking to us now. And in your name we pray this. Amen. So I want to, um, I want to remember the words of Jesus first in uh, John 14, verse 27. This is Jesus after his crucifixion, after his burial and resurrection. He appears to two disciples on, on the road to Emmaus. They're walking to their town of Emmaus. He has a meal with them. He breaks bread and prays blessing over that. Their eyes are open. They see who it is. And then he vanishes. And then they get up and they run back um, to Jerusalem, and then Jesus appears to the disciples in the upper room who have locked themselves behind closed doors because they're afraid, and he says to them this in John 14, 27, he says a number of things to them. Um, one of the things that he says is this, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. 
He says a lot of things when he meets with them. This is obviously what we're going to focus on. One of the things that Jesus did was he actually took the disciples by their face. He grabbed their face and he blew on them and he blew his breath on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he talks about how the promise of God is the gift of the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who will be with us and who will lead us and who will guide us and who will teach us and who will do all of these things. And so to me, it's simultaneous. To me, it's like him saying almost the same thing, like receive the Holy Spirit and I'm giving you something with this. This is peace that I'm giving you. And so... You can hear the gravity of this, like Jesus gives something that our entire ecosystem, the entire ecosystem of our world, everything that we've always known is unable to provide for us peace. So I want you to really catch the gravity of that because Jesus is establishing something here that had been vacated and had been void, like all the human beings up to this point who had lived on the planet. Um, now Adam and Eve had touched it, they had known it, but it was lost to them. And every, in, like every inhabitant of this ecosystem we call the world has been devoid of real peace. And so we actually are susceptible to that as well. Just like we as believers in Jesus Christ are susceptible to all sorts of things that are the result of fallen humanity, right? And one of the things that we're susceptible to is to live an entire life without really knowing peace. And so Jesus is saying, I want you to enter into the the ecosystem of my kingdom where there's peace available for your heart and for your mind. This is really important for us. Because I recently had a a conversation with a young man who was very troubled. And when I shared this idea of the gift of peace that comes from Jesus alone, he pointed to the passage of Scripture in Matthew 10, 34 through 36, where Jesus is quoted of saying this, Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. This is how troubled this young man was, that he was unable to receive the peace that Jesus was offering to him by using the scripture to block it. I just want you to know that uh, there's a reason why Jesus is saying what he's saying in both of these passages, and I'm not afraid to go into it. It may seem like a contradiction. So I'm going to go ahead and just let us dig into Matthew 10, 34 through 36. And we're going to allow it to be not necessarily a contrast, but a delineation. Uh, Jesus is not speaking out of both sides of his mouth. He's not saying, I'm coming to bring war. And then in the next breath to a different group of people, he's saying, hey, I'm coming to bring peace. All right. He's saying the same thing. All right, but the delineation is clear. So in Matthew 10, 34 through 36, Jesus says this, Don't imagine I came to bring peace on the earth. I came not to bring peace but a sword. I have come to set a man against... Now, he's actually quoting a passage of Scripture here, and we're going to orient towards that. He says, I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. So this is echoing the prophetic writing of Mike, uh, Micah. It's um, 
verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 6. For a son dishonors his father, a daughter rises up against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the members of his own household. What is this seeming contradiction? I think this points to the delineation between internal peace and external peace. The gift of peace that we read about in John 14, what does he say? You will have peace of mind and of heart. Wholeness of body, soul, and spirit. In contrast, the conflict we read about in Matthew 10 points us to the reality that there will be situations in our life where not everyone nearest to you, those in your family of origin, the people in your immediate community, not everyone will respect your growth, your healing, or your wholeness. It's true that some of these conflicts revolve around ideas and beliefs, like, for example, you know, you're a Christian and maybe they're not, you know, and so you have this rub where you're thinking in an entirely different way. You're you're ascribing to the ways of Jesus, to the ideals of Jesus, to the teachings of Jesus, and that's foreign to them. And in fact, the scripture would say that, you know, to those who don't believe, this is foolishness. And so we're calling it wisdom from above, and there's some people in our world, like near you, maybe even in your own household, that are scratching their head like, that is just foolishness. And so you can see how that might bring this like lying in the sand, as it were. Um, and then there's this conflict that occurs when there's lines drawn between your loyalties to Jesus and his ways and your loyalties to the values of your own family culture. This is why Jesus actually, it goes on to say this in Matthew 10, this is the hard teaching of Jesus where he's saying, unless you like are willing to like dismantle your loyalties to your mother and your father. Your version of the scripture might talk about hating your mother and father, but I'm not thinking hatred is the end game here. I'm thinking that there's like a point where you have to say, look, my family of origin is not going to rule my life. The culture that I grew up in, it doesn't have the final say of how I'm going to live or what I'm going to believe or how I'm going to like align myself I will never find peace there. Now, perhaps your values and your outlook on life have been informed by the wisdom from above. Remember what James says, that this type of wisdom, this type of understanding, these value sets that come from above, they're pure and they're filled with peace and they're considerate and they're teachable. They're filled with love and they never display prejudice or hypocrisy in any form. This may actually be in direct conflict with the values not only of world systems of thinking, but also maybe your family culture. So whatever, whatever the case, this type of conflict will cause those nearest to you to stand at a crossroads in their own heart, and they're, they're faced with a question. They're faced with the question, do I agree with or even like the new version of Chris? And maybe the answer is no. And therein lies the conflict. Therein lies, like, the struggle. Therein lies, um, yeah. Can anyone relate to this stuff? 
you know, it doesn't take many concentric rings out. I mean, it's like, okay, immediate family. Then you got your extended family. Then you got your place of work and your community. Your, I mean, it's just like, there's no shortage of conflict. Now, I've heard it said, maybe first by Bill Johnson, that peace, the peace of God isn't an absence of conflict, but rather the presence of a person, the Prince of Peace, Jesus. I agree with that to the greatest extent, and yet I can be in the presence of Jesus and not experience peace. That's not Jesus' fault. Just like I can read the Bible and I can hear it tell me that God loves me, and yet I may not experience the deep abiding love of God. So sometimes there's a barrier, there's like a breakdown in my own heart, in my own receptivity to what is true, Like, I believe that the presence of Jesus in our life is the only pathway to true and abiding peace. And I believe that there are things that we can do to receive that gift. There are ways that we can position ourselves to receive it and to experience it more. So far be it from me um, to actually turn this into, like, you should or you ought to. No, there are reasons why. And one of the reasons why we don't experience the love of God fully, and one of the reasons why we don't experience the peace of God fully, is because for many of us, and I won't put you directly in the same category as me, but I will say for me, I'm still often in self-protect mode. I'm still not always convinced I can trust. So peace. The peace that is spoken of here in this passage of James, um, the Greek translation for that is irene, which is, the translation is God's gift of wholeness. An example of that would be when all the essential parts are joined together. All right, so I'm going to shift gears here, and I'm going to talk a little bit about parts, all the essential parts. Parts is parts. Them's fused. I don't know where that came from. That was an old, that, oh, yeah, okay, I got it. That was an old Chick-fil-A or some kind of like chicken. They were talking about chicken nuggets, and their chicken nuggets aren't parts that's fused together. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> My brain. All right, so, so all right, so parts is parts, and uh, the essential parts being joined together—that's wholeness, and that's what is actually being referred to here as peace. So it's not necessarily the absence of conflict, but actually a process of integration. Peace is actually the process of your parts being integrated into wholeness, and you think about it specifically related to to the passage in John where Jesus is saying, I give a gift to you, and it's a gift of wholeness that will be a process of all the essential parts of who you are being integrated together as one with me. Have you ever heard yourself say something along the lines of, well, you know, there's a part of me that thinks this or that, or, 
Maybe you've heard yourself say, yeah, but a big part of me wants to do this or that. Okay, what's that part? What are those parts? Can we go ahead and just move the curtain back and be like, it's okay to say these things like you have different parts. You have different aspects of your soul that are not necessarily integrated and brought together yet. That as human beings who have been raised in an ecosystem that is incapable of bringing peace to you, you have experienced brokenness. You have experienced a disintegration of yourself in many ways. That there are aspects of your heart that have been um, fragmented. You guys, um, you realize that this is common, and it points to the fact that we as humans have a tremendous capacity to cope. We have a tremendous capacity as human beings to cope with trauma and hardship. Sometimes that has been generated by those that Jesus was speaking about, those in your own household, those that um, have been part of your most close inner circles of community, that there have been uh, occasions in our life where we have experienced these different um, fragmentations or disintegrations. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about what uh, psychologists would refer to as a dissociative identity disorder. Maybe that's, you remember it being called something more like multiple personality disorders. So that is an aspect, and I do believe like in things like dissociative amnesia, where there have been traumas or abuses in your life, and, and your coping mechanism has given you the ability to actually shut off the memory to that. I believe that exists, and I believe there's also like this depersonalization of like yourself. Like, have you ever had encounters, or have you ever had experiences where you feel like you're having an out-of-body sort of like experience? You're there, but you're not feeling really connected to yourself or to what's going on around you. Those are all aspects of a, of a deeper sort of, um, those symptoms are, are definitely deeper and they're part of a dissociative disorder. But you know what? It's pretty common actually. About 75% of people on the planet experience this kind of stuff at different levels. So I'm not necessarily going down that road of pathologies or, um, or, or anything like that. I'm certainly not trying to prescribe anything in the way of like diagnosis or whatever, whatever. I'm just simply saying that the average human being, we all can relate to the fact that we have different parts. We all have different parts that sometimes get triggered and they just, they just take over. And um, whatever we want to call it, the opposite of that is wholeness. Let's just go there, right? So Jesus knows the cause of so much of this fragmentation, and that's why he pointed us to the conflicts that occur in our nearest community, often in our households. And so in a very real sense, Jesus is telling us that, um, that we cannot use what is broken to fix what is broken. We cannot use what is broken to fix what is broken. We cannot look to the world or to our family culture, or even to our own minds, 
to bring the kind of repair that's required for lasting integration to establish peace in our interior lives, our hearts, and our minds. So I believe this is why Jesus came into his public ministry announcing that he was going to bind up broken hearts. The word broken there is fragmented. It's not like you have a sad heart. It's like you have a fragmented heart. It's like if I broke my arm and got an x-ray, the doctor wouldn't say, you have a sad arm. <laughs> He'd be like, no, you have a fragmented arm. It's in pieces. And there, there's going to be a healing process to bring that into wholeness. And so in the same way, Jesus is saying, I have come to bind up the fragmented hearts. I have come to bring those parts, those essential parts, back together to bring integration. And so integration with those fragmented parts of our soul into wholeness, that's the gift of peace to our hearts and our minds. This is the wisdom of the Lord, I believe, to help us. And so um, when we start thinking about parts, I mean, I know this is kind of weird, uh, some of you, maybe you've never thought about this kind of stuff, but I want you to take inventory. The next time, like, you feel certain things that aren't normal for you, like maybe you're feeling, like, enraged, for example, ask yourself the question, how old do I feel when I'm enraged like this? Some of you might feel very young when you're enraged like that. Or how about when you're frightened? What part is this? Feeling frightened right now? I used to be on this kick um, where I used to think that the goal was to eliminate those parts. For a lot of years in my spiritual journey and in my journey of healing and wholeness with Jesus, I used to think that the goal of integration was to get all of those different parts to just shut up and go away. And so I did a pretty thorough job of silencing them, of insulating myself from them. But guess what? They didn't go away. In fact, it kind of empowered them because their entire design for existing in the first place as a coping mechanism was to keep you safe in some way, shape, or form. So anytime there's any threat, that's why Jesus is like, hey, this is connected to... This is connected to fear. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. The antidote for feeling troubled and afraid is wholeness. So what if, by inviting all the parts of you, the angsty teenager part, the frightened five-year-old part, the defiant 20-something-year-old part, the rejected 35-year-old part, the self-reliant 14-year-old part, whatever these parts are, what if you were to invite them to come near to the presence of Jesus instead of go away and shut up? Imagine Jesus is the unifying force for all of your own parts. What if the goal then was to actually, instead of ignoring them or wishing they would go away, develop a relationship in some way, shape, or form that can invite even those young places of your heart into Jesus' presence? 
Now, um, Morgan Snyder, he's a friend of ours. Many of you know him. Um, <coughs> oops, sorry. He refers, he refers to, um, to this as getting all of your parts on the short bus, right, which I love because we all know what the short bus is, right? It's kind of fun. Uh, but he's talking about getting all of the different parts of you on the bus, and the present day you gets to take the driver's seat. And you're going for a ride, um, but basically what he's saying here, um, and his phrase is like the rule of life, this is when you have the rule of life uh, in a wholesome way because you're integrating all of those parts so that the present day you is actually in the driver's seat and you grow aware of when another part tries to hijack the bus and drive you off the cliff, right? And so... um, So you grow aware when the self-medicating part of you wants to hijack the bus. And in those moments, you can actually enter into a conversation with Jesus and that young place of your heart, and you can actually have communion with Christ even in that place of your brokenness. So how do we do this? I believe that we can learn from the ways of Jesus as he interacted with children. I love this passage. Matthew 19, verses 13 through 15. When they brought little children to Jesus so that he could lay his hands on them and bless them and pray for them. In other words, when they brought the little ones to Jesus to be loved and cared for and for his kindness to interact with them, some of the disciples scolded those who brought Jesus saying, don't bother him with this now. Go away. Jesus overheard them and he said, I want little children to come to me. So never interfere with them when they want to come. For heaven's kingdom realm is composed of beloved little ones like these. Listen to this truth. No one will enter the kingdom realm unless they become like one of these. And then he laid his hands on them and he went along his way. Now, what if in our present-day selves we act like the disciples who block the young parts from coming into the blessing of Jesus and therefore under his rulership and healing? What if I had to get confronted with this? Because that part of me that was like, okay, that part of me that was like, hey, you guys just shut up. (laughs) Get out of here. Um... I was the guardian, and I have learned over the course of a few years now that there is an integration of those aspects of who I am. Can I make it personal for a minute? So the reason why when I go hunting and I hear something like the clearing of a throat, and I'm like, oh, I finally clue in, like, I'm with Jesus. Like, it's because I've learned over the years to validate my sanctified imagination to validate my spiritual senses, my spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, the eyes of my heart to see, my intuition to know. And sometimes the veil between the natural world that we live in and the unseen realm of God's kingdom is very thin. And so over the course of many years, one of the things that I have learned to do as a spiritual practice 
is to come into safe place with Jesus and to allow Jesus to create for me a place that I can find myself completely at rest and at peace. It's almost like I forget what I look like. I forget how I act. I just am myself. And Jesus comes into that space. Now, maybe that space has a visual sort of like imagery with it. Like maybe it's a place that I've been to before, or maybe it's a place that Jesus creates for us to meet in. And it can be very picturesque. In fact, the more picturesque it has been for me at times, uh, the more meaningful it has been for me. And so I've learned to just cultivate this as a spiritual practice. I would call it communion. You might refer to it like Jesus does in John 15 as the abiding place. Abide in me and I in you. And you'll bear much fruit. For apart from me in this place, you can do nothing. And so I've come into this sort of rhythm of like connection with Jesus. And over time, it's developed and and it's not just for me to come into a safe place to escape it's not that at all in fact what it has done it has created a place for me to actually explore what the different parts of my life are and begin to start welcoming them in remember the original intent for those fragmented places in my heart was to keep me safe and if I find a safe place with Jesus then they begin to trust that there's safety here. And I've learned over the course of the last few years to be kind to myself, to be kind to those places of my own soul that have felt inconsistent and broken and actually sinful and dysfunctional. I've learned to actually invite them in to the safe place that I have with Jesus. And the way I picture it is different than Morgan. I don't picture it like we're all on the short bus, you know, going to the zoo. I picture it like um, Jesus is the center, like the campfire and the light of his love, the passion and the warmth of his presence is what invites the orphaned places of my heart to come in from out of the dark, out of the cold, and have a seat around the circle. There have been interactions that I've had with those young places of my heart, and there have been times when the places that were really out in the dark started to warm up just to the edges, where I've been able to find courage to express for the first time Part of my story that involved abuse, sexual abuse, abandonment, neglect. Things like this were always like, I mean, we're talking for the first 58 years of my life, off limits. And so the integration of the heart is a journey of intimacy with Jesus. And it's a gift that he has offered to you and I. And your journey may look way different than mine. I honor that. But I invite you to at least explore it. To at least have a yes in your heart 
for an exploration of those different aspects of your soul that have experienced brokenness and trauma to be brought back to the source of wholeness, Jesus. So I am fully aware that you cannot fix what's broken with what's broken, but Jesus, who is not broken, in his kindness, offers repair to the things that have been fragmented. So I am absolutely convinced that this is a simultaneous both and, that at one level, saying yes to the wisdom of God and asking God to like, inform your decisions and to impact the way that you live your life with his thoughts and his direction, that wisdom from God will bring peace. I also know that simultaneously, when we find peace in our hearts and in our minds, we're more akin to exercise wisdom. So it's this beautiful, like, snowball effect that I think, um, yeah, Jesus and his wisdom has designed for us to enter into. And so I just wanted to offer that for all of us this morning, that um, the, the writings of James, yes, I know that I am taking creative license on some of this to explore different avenues, but I believe that it, it was not lost on Jesus or his brother James that there was a great need on planet Earth for us to experience wholeness. And so that's why Jesus and his brother James point us back to it often. And so that's why I wanted to point all of us to it this morning. Before I pray, I just want to wrap this, um, this up with... I can remember seasons in my life, most of my life, where my self-talk was really pretty harsh to my own heart. I was not kind to myself. Um, and so, um, that being said, my sense is that the Lord wants to help each one of us just get a little more kind to ourselves and, uh, and let the kindness of Jesus inform that. So, I would love to just even offer a moment here where Jesus can bring you into safe place. And I just want to do that in the place of prayer here. So if you would just put your hands out like you're positioning yourself to receive a gift. Jesus, you bring to us what the world cannot give us. You bring peace. You bring wholeness. And I pray that you would bless everyone's spiritual senses, their spiritual ears to hear, the eyes of their heart to see, and their intuition to know you. And I thank you for the abiding place you have with each one of us who have said yes to you, and even those of us who have been resistant to you, you're still creating a space for us. And I just want to ask you to bring us into a safe place right now. Whether we see anything or not, that's secondary. The, the, real, the real hope here is that we would just be with you. And so I want to ask for you, Jesus, to bless people's sanctified imaginations, to bless their ability to see, 
And if you have a place for us to go individually, maybe a place we've been to before or a place you're creating for us right now, we choose to enter into that space. This is where you get to make it personal. You can invite Jesus to come into this space with you. Maybe he looks different than what you've seen on TV. Maybe he looks identical to that. Whatever he chooses to present himself to you in, like whatever form, will just receive Jesus. So I pray for Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, to enter into your space with you now. And I just want to encourage you to pay attention to some details. Now, Jesus, is there anything that you'd want to say or anything that you'd want to show us in these moments? Jesus, I pray for your grace this week that we would all grow in our courage to bring the young places of our heart to you and that we would not be like the disciples who would block, but we ourselves in our present state, like right now, right here, we would grow in courage to trust you more. And I just thank you that peace is a manifestation of your wisdom. And I thank you that your peace brings wholeness and it brings all the essential parts together. And so, Jesus, thank you for binding up our broken hearts. Thank you for bringing us into wholeness and into unity, not only with you, but with ourselves. And I pray, Lord God, that in all the ways that our souls have tried to keep us safe, I pray that you would transform us, change the way we think, help us know that there are different ways to be safe now. And I pray all of this in your name, Jesus, that you would seal what you're doing here by your Holy Spirit, that it would take root and bear fruit in the years to come, that anything that is not of you that was shared this morning would be like chaff in the wind that just blows away that we don't have to focus on. But Lord, let us recall and remember the things that you're saying to us. And I pray this all in your name, Christ. Amen. Amen. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at Fellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.